Welcome to Me Time, the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I'm Kim Aceto, health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host. Thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I am joined with my good friend, Suzanne Levy, and I'm going to properly introduce Suzanne before we get started. Uh, Suzanne Levy is a professional coach and the owner and principal of Evergreen Life and Wellness Coaching in Evergreen, Colorado. She specializes in holistic wellness and peak performance and works with women and men to develop a personalized plan to enhance performance and positive change in both their personal and professional lives. Suzanne is at the cutting edge of the coaching field and is in the first group of professional coaches to be credentialed by the National Board of Medical Examiners as a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach. Suzanne's background is rooted in the fields of positive psychology, utilizing goal setting and behavior change strategies. She is a certified positive psychology coach, certified health and wellness coach, and certified mentor coach, and holds credentials from the International Coach Federation, the ICF, the leading global coaching organization. Her memberships include ICF Colorado, the International Positive Psychology Association, and the Institute of Coaching at McLean Hospital, affiliated with Harvard Medical School. Suzanne's clients include professionals, business owners, coaches, and students. Her mission is to assist others using evidence-based best practices to access their strengths and skills in order to enhance well-being and to make sustainable, positive transformation. My friend, Suzanne, thank you so much for joining me on the Me Time Midlife podcast. I couldn't be happier than to be here, Kim. And your accomplishments are a mouthful. <laughs> I know, right? I just think that is a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. But it's so wonderful. And if you were to see uh, Suzanne's, uh, all the credentials behind her name, as you can hear, there's so many, so many. Uh, we have alphabet soup at the, at the end of Suzanne's <laughs> name. But it's because, you know, you're so dedicated to becoming a better coach and to learning the research and, and everything behind what makes people make positive changes. And they also say that, you know, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And you are one of the five coaches that I spend the most time with. And so it's just really an honor, Suzanne, to be having a conversation with you today. Oh, same for you, Kim. <laughs> you. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, I was just thinking, I, I, I love learning. And I was recently in a position to take another strengths-oriented class. And love of learning has always been in my top five. But now it's, you know, came up number one. And I think that's because over the last several years, I've really immersed myself in trying to learn as much as I can because there's new research and new information and methodologies and so much coming out it's very exciting that is so true because you know with coaching I feel like we are just we kind of started around a um, similar time I think we right um, and, and I think even now you know we're well people that are just getting into coaching um, not even becoming coaches but those who are hiring coaches like ourselves are really early adopters I feel you know, when we got into coaching, it was still a really, uh, a relatively new thing. 
it, it's been accepted um, right. pretty well, right? Because there's always been therapy and people kind of understand what, what therapy is, but coaching is kind of a, a new concept and it's now in organizations and businesses and all types of schools and things like that. So it's really growing and you know, we're learning so much about it. And I remember when I first learned about coaching, I was like, oh yeah, this is for me. Like, you know, building on your strengths, you know, discovering your values, those types of things. I mean, what got you interested in, in coaching in general? You know, probably the same things that, that you just mentioned, Kim, I think, you know, when I look back, I think from the time I was a very young adult, you know, maybe 20, you know, I was always, I, I was really interested in personal development. And when you think about it, you know, way back when, you know, I mean, people had coaches, but they were usually professional athletes, uh, maybe acting coaches, you know, they were in certain professions to avail themselves of coaching. And all of a sudden it became mainstream started to become more mainstream I think in the late 80s with executive coaching but then all of a sudden it you know personal coaching came to be and life coaching and wellness coaching and you know there's just there's so many ways you can go with it but it's all based on making the most of yourself you know I mean who doesn't want to do that right yeah well there are some people that don't want to do that but we we want it that for ourselves, right? right and and exactly. what's so great is that we go through the same processes of change and of frustrations and of discouragement and overwhelm and all the things that we help our clients through, but it just makes us richer coaches, right? Because we're able to take our own experiences, you know, and, and we're going to talk about wellness today and, and health when it pertains to this coming year, because people are going to want to make changes, right? They're going to want to make right. positive changes, right. um, whether it's building new habits and behaviors, um, making lifestyle changes or enhancements. And, you know, I, I think it's important for people to know, Suzanne, that like, you know, we struggle with these things too. You know, it's not like we wake up and like we can't wait to exercise and, you know, like, right, right, <laughs> um, right. like we get a great night's sleep every night or, you know, we're just perfect with all of these things. I mean, I, I just really don't want people to believe that or think that because it's simply not true. I mean, we have to constantly work on our health and wellness like anyone else does. Do you find that to be the case for yourself too? I do, you know, and it's funny you mentioned that because I was I was just reading something this morning, an article about how coaches themselves have to, you know, it's really a process of transformation for us too, because we have to keep growing. We have to, hopefully, you know, we're not going to be perfect, but we at least have to try to model some of what we're talking about for our clients and be the best we can be. And, you know, being a coach, and you probably have experienced this too, Kim, since I've been a coach, I have noticed, you know, I've had to make changes inside myself. I mean, I've, I've had to step up in certain areas of my life. I've just had to because it's a process you can't really be, you can't really be preaching it without trying to practice it yourself, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And, um, you know, I consider 
maintaining a healthy lifestyle and continuing to to grow in that because it's constantly changing. You right. know, once I think that I've kind of understood how I want to be eating, I mm-hmm. might learn something new or I might try something different and that works better sure. or I feel better. And and so, you know, our health and wellness in general, I believe is just constantly tweaking. We're never quite necessarily there. You know, there's always room for improvement. And I think that's what this episode is about today is about just improvement in this next year. And, you know, when I look back at, you know, my health journey, Mm-hmm. You know, I used to be an athlete and I played college basketball and, you know, I was in really good shape and all of that. And then I went to grad school and my lifestyle completely changed and I put weight back on and I just was way more sedentary because that's kind of the life of a grad student. You, you mm-hmm. write and you read and you sit in class and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I had to kind of get back into what it was going to look like not playing sports and not having to go to practice and not having to exercise because sure. your coach is waiting for you. Right. Um, You've got someone breathing down your exactly. neck to make you do it, right? Right, right. So, you know, it's something that you just constantly have to tweak. And I think it's important for people to understand that this next year, even though you might want to have a perfect looking, healthy lifestyle, I don't think that should be the focus. I think the focus should be on being a little bit better than you are now. Mm-hmm. So by this time next year, if you can have some healthier health habits than you have now, um, maybe some better uh, lifestyle practices, you mm-hmm. know, when it comes to your health and wellness, I think that that's pretty good. And then you can continue to build on it every year. But when we strive to be perfect or to have it look a certain way that we think it's supposed to be, or we see somebody who we think has it all together and we don't understand the journey, we don't understand what what it took to to get there and how many years and how much tweaking and trial and error it it takes, it's important for people to understand that as we kind of talk about this next year. So what I want to do today is just kind of have like a casual conversation as two wellness coaches who are going to be working with our clients this year who want to improve their health, they want to improve their lifestyle behaviors, and they want to become healthier and happier. So, you know, let's just just have a conversation about what some of those things might be to help the people that are listening that really want to improve their health next year. Absolutely. What's one of your thoughts? I don't know about you, but most of the women I talk to, and I, and I talk to some men too, most of them seem to be dealing with a lot of overwhelm <laughs> or feeling overwhelmed. And, and I think that seems to be, you know, emblematic of the times we're living in with technology and having to manage more. Uh, you know, manage email and text and phones, and people seem to feel more overwrought, more stressed than I have experienced people feeling in, in ever, to be honest with you. One of the things that I think has been really important for me, and I try to convey to my clients is to create some space for themselves. Whatever that might look like, for me, it's a morning routine. I have a kind of a set morning routine in most days. Most days I go through it pretty well. Um, not every day, like you said, is perfect. And I've, I've thrown out the whole beating myself up over, you know, if I forgot to meditate or I ran out of time or I didn't journal, 
you know what? Tomorrow's another day. This is what I do, and I will do it again tomorrow. And I, so I don't kind of let that get in my way, whereas maybe when I was younger or in past times, I might have you know, not meditated for a couple of days in a row. And I would have said, oh, well, see, I, there went that. I'm, I'm just not doing it. I don't do that anymore. I, I have a yoga teacher and I love what she says. She always says, you know, if you don't get a pose right today, that's okay. You're going to be doing yoga for the rest of your life. Mm. And the way I look at it, this is my lifestyle. I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. If I don't meditate this morning, the heavens are not going to fall. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm gonna and I'll do it again tomorrow. And and uh so that for me I know is it is extremely important, is essential. And for a lot of the people that I talk to and that I coach with, they seem to struggle with making that space selves or, or even knowing how to do that. What do you what do you think about that? Well, I love that you brought up a morning routine because you're so right. It, it's like it's like we have to be aware of like what we want our day to look like. And it's kind of like the, the beginning of our day and the end of the day, mm-hmm. whether it's a half an hour on each end, let's just say. Right. That's probably the time of day that we are most in control of. Mm-hmm. What happens in the middle of the day? Anything can happen. Right. We can get a call. Yeah. We can get an emergency. You you just you never know what's going to happen in the middle in the middle of your day. Come up, absolutely. Come up, and you have to deal with them. But when you wake up in the morning and before you go to sleep, those times I think are so sacred mm-hmm. because they're just a little bit of time for you to get your day started and to close out your day. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Right. And you can deal with things in the middle as they come, but the beginning of the day and the end of your day is just really important. And to go along with what you're talking about, about distractions and all that and having to do with your routines, I think it's important too when it comes to a morning routine and an evening routine is to kind of, in the morning routine, is to kind of speed up your day. You know when you're at a stop sign or at a, mm-hmm. at a stop light in your car, you don't, when the, when the light turns green, you don't just like punch the gas pedal and, right. and go, right? You like right. gradually go, right. right? You know, 10 miles an hour, 15, 20, yeah. 25, right? Until you're at your top speed that you're going to stay at. And then when you see a red light coming up or a stop sign, then you slowly start to slow down, mm-hmm. right? But what happens, I feel a lot, is that people, you know, they wake up and the first thing they do is they check their phone or they turn on CNN or something, right? Right. And that's kind of like hitting the gas pedal hard really quickly. Right. And it's not the best way to start your day, right? It gets your adrenaline going, raises your cortisol. It's very stressful. It starts your day out with automatic stress, right? It puts you in that kind of fight or flight, especially, you know, when the last couple of years, a lot of people feel, seem to feel a little more anxiety and more stress, just what's going on in the world. And it's been a tough time. You start your day with that and you're already going to have picked in your fight or flight response. Your, like you said, cortisol, adrenaline, all of those things. And, you know, I read something recently that really surprised me. And it was that 50, over 50% of people who have smartphones sleep with them under their pillow. 
And I'm thinking, under your pillow? Really? I mean, you know, I didn't grow up with smartphones, so I'm not of that generation, which I'm quite frankly somewhat grateful for. <laughs> I, and I love my smartphone. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, it enables us to do so much, right? I mean, I can, you know, I can work when I'm I'm in my car, you know, talking or, you know, I very rarely do that. But if I have to, you know, I can stop and my car becomes my office. So I loved, you know, technology in a lot of ways, but I saw something the other night on a news magazine or something, but they were talking about how technology has taken over our lives in so many ways. And we have to take our lives back. You know, it's meant to be a tool for our use, not for us to be used by. Right. Exactly. I must use, I must check my phone right away. And, you know, most mornings, again, not perfect, but most mornings I really, I don't check my phone right away. And I try not to even get on my computer until I've done my morning workout. And at least I've done that. Then I'll usually get on the computer, check a few emails, get my breakfast, come back and meditate and do a little journaling and not necessarily in all those orders, but those are the things I do in the morning, but I really try to avoid turning on anything because as soon as I do that, I'm someplace else. And you know, one of the things I think for me is really important every day is to have a solid foundation for my day. Like how I start my day is how my day is going to go. Mm-hmm. And if I started, you, you know, with being controlled by the, you know, my phone or how many emails I have to answer or, you know, all the stuff that we have to do, you know, I kind of lose my ability to be intentional about how I want my day to go. Right. And I think exactly. that's really important. I think that's really important. Yes. You know, how how do we want our day to go? What do we to spend? Even it doesn't have to be forty five minutes or an hour. Five minutes. Exactly. One of the things I do in the morning is write down my intention for the day. You know, mm. what is my intention for today? Right. And you know that takes me not even sixty seconds. Exactly. Yeah, and even writing that the night before can mm-hmm. work, so that the intention is already set the night before. And because sometimes we wake up in the morning and it's like, okay maybe we didn't get a great night's sleep or maybe we're not feeling that well or whatever. And then we might change that intention because of how we're feeling. Right. And we so often can do that. And if we want to develop more discipline in our lives, we have to learn how to set things that we want to do, set intentions, right. Commitments and be able to stick with those things. So yeah, I love that you brought that up. And like you said, also, you know, if I wake up in the morning and all of a sudden I have a sore throat and, you know, I'm coming down with something, my intention for that day may, you know, very well change from what it might have been otherwise, right? Exactly. So it's also about being flexible and being able to be aware of what we need in the moment. Right. Instead of just kind of going on automatic. Right, right. And one more thing before we move on to something else is, you know, in the morning we have the most self-control anyway. You know, the evening time is usually when people tend to kind of let themselves go because they've gone to work the whole day and they've had to make all these decisions. Right. 
whether they had a good day or not a good day, you know, they're tired and they worked really hard and they come home and they just want to chill and relax and maybe eat something while they're watching TV that they really don't want to be eating because our self-control is just a lot weaker in the evening. So the morning time is a great time to really, like you said, set your intention to have a little bit of quote unquote me time, right? right? And, right. and before the day comes so that you can ground yourself and, you know, really have the kind of day that, that you want to have because you mm-hmm. know, you've done that prior work. And then I was just going to say for the evening, same thing, you want to kind of slow down and not have CNN breaking news be the last thing you, you see or think about before bed. Right. So kind of having an evening routine, even if it's very uh, short, you know, just something to wind our minds down, I think is really important. I know that's something that we both really talk about in our, in our coaching practice with our clients. So let's talk about uh, something else. So we talked about a morning routine, the importance of having that starting the morning slowly, um, the importance of having an intention for the day and just taking a little bit of time for ourselves in the morning. What's something else that you think is important for, for people to, you know, do or understand or know or think about as we enter 2019 when it comes to our health and wellness? Well, Something I've been thinking about, and and it's actually one of my goals, and it's something I've already started the process of doing, and I'd be curious to, to know what you think about this too, Kim. I am really into streamlining my life and getting rid of a lot of things that I don't need. <laughs> you know, whether that be papers in my office or you know, additional clutter that, you know, one thing I, I have, you know, years ago, I used to love to get little kind of knickknacky things. And now, please, God's sake, nobody get me a knickknack. You know, <laughs> I want no more. I'm trying to, you know, those are the things I'm kind of trying to, you know, let go of in my life, because the older I've gotten, and I know you deal with a lot of midlife women, of which I am one. All midlife women. <laughs> Right. <laughs> all of them. And yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting because the one thing I find we all talk about is, you know, when you're younger, you you're trying to build your life. Right. So you're accumulating things and furniture and stuff and this and that. And as I have gotten older and matured, I am just really into getting rid of things. I want my life to be simpler. The more stuff I have, the more I have to manage and take care of. And the more I have to manage and take care of, then the less room I have for other things in my life that might be, you know, that today are probably more important for me, like spending time with the people I love and being outdoors or my dogs. What, reading a book, which is sometimes I feel for me, has been always one of my favorite things to do in the world and is a kind of become a lost art almost because you know taking time to sit down and read a book even seems to be harder for me these days and I have to really be intentional about wanting to do that so I think minimizing the excess in my life yes absolutely it's important right right yeah and there's like this Chinese proverb I use all the time he or she, of course, who chases two rabbits catches none. So right. it's kind of like the more things that we have in our lives, and um, we we just have like we just had this uh, professional organizer Rowena List come on the podcast, and oh, awesome. uh, yeah, she talked about 
decluttering and organizing our life and the importance of that. And yeah, I think this is a great time to do that. The beginning of the year is to look around uh, at our, you know, our office or in our home or our bedroom or, you know, even the hallway or the closet or whatever and decide what you want to keep because it's serving you in some way or bringing you joy in some way. And right. it's time to uh, get rid of. So yeah, I think that that's really, really important as well. Something I wanted to bring up was this year I'm having, okay, so every year I give my clients a, uh, an annual roadmap. So questions to reflect on the past year and then questions to think about this next year so that they have a direction, right? So sure. that they know where they're going and, and I know where they want to go and I, you know, we can work together to, to help them get there. And so um, something I, I've been doing every year is I ask them to create what I call big five goals. So the five things they want to accomplish. Mm. Okay. So I, I kept that this year, but something I added was big five behaviors. So these are the five habits that you want to create in the next year. Because I think one of the, one of the mistakes that people make is that they create goals. They create like, I want to lose 25 pounds or mm -hmm. I want to get into a size, you know, 10, you know, whatever. I'm just using those as, as examples, sure. but they can be any kind of outcome goal. Right. But then the problem is, it's like, okay, it's great to have a goal, but what are the behaviors and habits that you're going to create that are going to help you get there? Right. Wait, that right on, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> that is so true. Yes. Right. Right. So we have to not just think about the goals that we want this year, but we have to think about what habits we need to create for ourselves in order to reach some of those goals. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, yeah, you know, and it's funny, this is something that's been on my mind recently too, because, you know, we, we, like you said, maybe our goal is to lose 20 pounds or whatever it is, you know, to, to visit Paris for the first time, you know, but it's those, those daily and weekly actions that we consistently do that are going to lead to the fruition of our goal, right? right? So, you know, you don't just get up one day and get on the plane and go to Paris. You right. have to start setting aside a budget for it, deciding what you can do, you know, maybe saving the money, maybe planning the time, you know, taking the time off from work, getting things in order. I mean, there's a whole process that needs to happen before you get to Paris and a lot of decisions and habits along the way that are going to get you there. Discipline. I mean, maybe you want to, you know, go to LA too and you have to decide, gee, I can't really do both. So I'm going to have to let that go. You know, if I want to go to Paris. So it's those consistent daily habits and behaviors and decisions that we make that really can lead us to where we want to be. And I think that's very often, I, I think you said it well, that piece is sometimes overlooked, right? Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, our lives are just the summation of how we spent our days, right? Exactly. And how we spend our days is the summation of how we spent each hour. So, the decisions um, we make. The decisions right? we make. Right. So what's maybe one more thing, Suzanne, before we go that you know you think is important for people who want to have a healthier or happier and or actually who would want to have or right let's say a happier and healthier, happier and healthier life in 2019 well you know it's interesting and and you may find this too 
very often when I'm working with a client and one of their goals is maybe to lose weight or just simply to eat healthier, they'll ask me, you know, what do you recommend? Do you recommend a diet? What do you recommend in terms of an eating plan? And, you know, as you know, Kim, our goal in coaching is not to tell people what to do. It's to empower our clients to, to sort through all the information and, and figure out what's best for them and what's going to work for them long term, right? You know, if I had to say the most important thing you can do for your nutrition, and this is my opinion, I would just say eat clean, fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, you know, eliminating as much processed foods as possible, eliminating trans fats. That's the unhealthy fats that are, you know, found in cookies and crackers and chips, you know, look at ingredients, and if it has a bunch of things you can't pronounce, it's probably not the best thing for you to be eating. Eat clean, you know, eat food in as close to its natural state as possible. Right. Yeah. And, and you're almost guaranteed to be eating healthy when you do that. Right. Right. And you know what? It's taken me years to eat healthier. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I remember the first time that I, I said, don't give me the fries with that. When I was ordering, I ordered a sandwich and it comes with fries, you know? Right. And I remember the first time I said, please don't give me the fries. Just don't give me anything, which is so contrary to the way I grew up where mm-hmm. it's like, well, you better eat because, you know, we kind of don't know we're gonna, if we're going to have another meal. I mean, that's not really true. I always knew I was right. going to have another meal. And we are going to have another meal. We know that. But we have to train ourselves to be like, okay, well, do I really need to eat this? I mean, we could have a whole conversation about nutrition. But I guess my point is, is that I just want people to understand that even my own nutritional journey has taken years. Mm -hmm. I mean, from not drinking soda anymore to not eating something at night after dinner, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. Like it's, it's been a process. Absolutely. Of course, we know we should not eat processed foods and we should try not to eat too much sugar and those types of things, right? We we know we need to eat fruits and vegetables and we need to eat healthy and you want to try to make your food as opposed to go out and get takeout or go out to restaurants all the time because you know what's in it when you cook it. So it's like what we do, Suzanne, is like, I mean, there's a little education there because I think people need to be reassured because oftentimes they think, well, maybe is there something I haven't heard yet? Is there something new that has come out that is the answer? And no. And let me tell you, in 2019, there's not going to be any research that comes out and says that, oh, fruits and vegetables are bad for you. You shouldn't eat them or you should eat more sugar or (laughs) you you should eat more food in general. I mean, look, the principles are the same. Just like Michael Pollan says, you want to eat real food, mostly plants and not too much. It's very simple. But I think what people have a hard time with is what we help our clients with, which is the implementation of these strategies, right? So yeah, I know I need to eat healthy, but I don't know how to do that. Where do I begin? So, I mean, obviously we can't go into all of that right now. And it's going to be different for each person because I know the way we both coach is there's no cookie cutter way. Um, Everybody's different. and, And the pace that people go is different and we have to be sensitive to to that pace. So I think that's the last thing that I want to say is be gentle with yourself as you make these changes. I don't know why. I, I mean, I had no idea what where I was going to go today with this. It seems like I'm going in that direction of really encouraging people to just try to be a little bit better with your health habits. 
in 2019 than you were in 2018. Really, a year can be like a change overnight when you look back at it. I know right now you look at a year and you're like, oh my gosh, a year is so long, but it's really not that long. You know, once in a while, it's okay to have those French fries or some of them. You know, there used to be a time, and I I would say clean and healthy probably 90% of the time. And I am not opposed to having a couple slices of pizza here and there. Or if I order something that comes with fries, I've also learned I don't have to eat every single fry. I can have a few or some, but that took a while for me. You know, that actually took a while for me to get to the point where, okay, I don't have to have all of these fries. I like fries as much as the next person. So, you know, and you're right, it is a process. I think discovering what works best for us and having someone there to support us in terms of coaching or a family member or an accountability partner, whatever that, you know, whatever we choose is really can make the difference between success and failure, right? Exactly. Yeah. And just like I said in the beginning, uh, who we surround ourselves with, I mean, our environment, we often think of our environment as just, you know, the clutter that we have around or our possessions or material things, but it's the relationships too. And if you even just start hanging around with the friends of yours that are healthier and happier, as opposed to the negative friends and the friends who are always encouraging you to go to happy hour with them every day after work or something, right? right? The people you surround yourself with is, is so important. And I think that's a great place for us to close us out today, Suzanne, because, you know, you and I, we get on the phone about once a month, right? Right, we do. And we share our successes as well as our challenges and struggles as women and as professionals and all of that. And I consider you to be a great friend. You've been there with me through the thick and thin and and you've recommended books to me that have just been the most incredible resources at, at certain times that I've needed them. So I appreciate your friendship, um, you know, on a personal level and, and on a professional level. (laughs) So, um, so thanks for coming on with me and having this conversation about, you know, health and wellness in, in 2019. And I know we just scratched the surface, but it was great talking with you about this. Well, you know, and I think the world of you as a coach too, I know how committed you are and, you know, how seriously you take your work, you know, as I do. And I think that's in part, you know, something that we both share. So, you know, it's my honor, really, and pleasure to be with you today, Kim. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Suzanne. If you find the Me Time Midlife podcast valuable, There are many ways you can support it and support yourself while doing it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can tell your friends about it or share it on social media. And if you want more me time in your life, consider becoming a member of the me time midlife community. This is my online community of like-minded and like-hearted women in midlife who want to take charge of their life by cultivating their health, happiness, and purpose while building connections and friendships along the way. There are many benefits to joining, including monthly member-only Q&As with some of the experts you hear on the podcast. Plus, as a listener of the podcast, you get a special listener discount. Go to metimemidlifepodcast.com to learn more. Again, thank you for listening. And until next time, remember, you've been taking care of everyone else 
It's your turn to take care of you.